Right now, it's on the next level. Are you on the level? Let me tell you about this guy I know, Jack. Mean kid, bad seed, hurt people. I like him already. <laughs> now, you know, the problem was he got sloppy, you know, crazy. He started to lose it. He had a head full of bad wiring, I guess. Couldn't keep it straight up here. He was the kind of guy who couldn't hear the train till it was two feet from him. You know what happened to this guy, Jack? Wow. Made mistakes. And then he had us. This lights out! Now you wanna get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. <laughs> Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Welcome once again, Primers, into this our Batman Day special from the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. I am still not used to you calling it just the spotlight, but <laughs> from the Captain Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. Yeah, I dropped the show cast from the spotlight. Oh, wow. I do too. Um, and it was weird because when I was trying to come up with different names, uh, you know, there was a bunch of different ones that came up. Uh, somebody said, um, uh, uh, like, uh, level up with Ben back. And, you know, there's a bunch of them. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I keep interviewing people and I'm bringing them into the spotlight. And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. you're in the spotlight with Ben Beck. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a good start of a show, man. That's, Welcome to the spotlight. So that's what I kept. I dropped the showcast and, um, which was kind of weird too, because man, when this whole podcast network started, it started with the showcast. That's what this, uh, you know, that's, that's what this, this podcast is. the flagship was. of it all, man. It's the cornerstone of it all. So for it to not happen, it's just, it, nah, unacceptable. unacceptable. Eh, well, I mean, it's, it's still. I don't really necessarily think there is a flagship show of this of the. Well, okay, then we are the flagship now. <laughs> we were one of the top two pod rated podcasts on the network. I'll tell you that. Um, the other one is the Lost Podcast now, uh, which is getting a lot of good review, got a lot of hits. So, but it's only twice a month. We're still weekly. But on that note, <laughs> we have an announcement to make. We do. We've, uh, we've been trying to contemplate for the past couple weeks now, uh, past couple months, uh, how we were going to handle things because we found out that Supergirl was moving to Sundays. Uh, we have Black Lightning in the mix now. We have... Uh, the, on the Horizon. We have Titans this, coming. This universe with Titans and Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol and all these great shows that are going to be coming up. 
And man, we really needed to figure out what our format was going to be. What shows are we going to include in our weekly discussions? Uh, you know, were we going to change the day of our recording because of Supergirl moving to Sundays? And we figured it out. We've, we've, we've discussed it and we know some people will be happy with it. Some people may not. Uh, but we, we are to- closing the show. Goodbye, everybody. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going the same way of, um, oh God, what was their podcast name? DCR. Um, yeah. DCR. I was going to say DCP, but that was us. Yeah, DCR. Uh, we're, we're all going to, we're, we're all going to hang out together on a beach and just not worry about podcasting anymore. No, we're, we're not closing the show. We love doing this show and we're going to keep doing it. And we know a lot of people from DCR came over to us. Thanks to DCR and having those guys on. So, um, yeah, Distressed Citizens Radio. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Sean and Brian, man. I, I actually need, I need to drop him a line. I miss him. He's good. Yeah. We need to get one of those guys back on uh, if yeah. we can. Yeah. Just, especially with DC Universe coming up and like with digital comics and everything, like we need to just, we need to get them on and have just, let's, we need to catch geek. up. Just geek out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we've, we've figured out what the process is going to be. So, um, let's start with recording dates. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to figure out whether or not we were going to move and record earlier in the week so that we could cover Supergirl within the time frame of everything else. Uh, or were we going to stay on Sundays and just be a week behind on Supergirl and talking about it and discussing it a little bit more? We have come to the decision that our recording date is actually not going to change. We're going to keep things the way they are. It's what people are used to. It's what we're used to uh, as far as scheduling goes. The recording during the week is extremely hectic. Um, it's a nightmare. And it, uh, to be honest, you, you have a show on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, which gives us Wednesday night to get caught up. So yeah. God forbid we weren't able to watch something for a couple days or any of these pieces. And, man, um, it, it, that's uh, terrifying to think of trying to attempt to squeeze in five shows in one night, if something, if, uh, if the week is rough and especially during the work week, um, you know, we, we, we very much have lives outside of these podcasts and very busy lives. And, um, it's already a lot of work to get stuff prepped to Sunday, uh, when you have sometimes four or five days to be able to do a lot of that. Um, but Ben and I can tell you, we've had many times, especially this past year, where it was Saturday night at two or three in the morning where I'm like, I'm, just, I, I'm pushing everything I can to get through the last show at two 30 in the morning. Cause I haven't had any time until now, um, to be able to watch something. And, yeah. uh, it's, um, I, I can't do that <laughs> in the middle of the week and be up for work the next morning and come home and record at six o'clock or seven o'clock at night. Cause recording takes us, Sometimes these shows are two hours long, and it is usually about 15 or 20 minutes of prep time beforehand and 15 or 20 minutes of, of stuff that we have to discuss after. And before then you an know, hour and, and an hour to two hours of editing for me yeah, afterwards. It's, it's, it's a lot to attempt to try to do in such a short period of time that unfortunately it's not possible. And as I even said to Ben, and I, he agreed – uh, a television show should not dictate your life. <laughs> so no. that's, that's, um, as much as we may enjoy them and love them and love doing the show, uh, the podcast can also not dictate our lives. That's as much as we love to do it. Um, this is the way it works best for us and we found a way to make it work best for us. And why, why, why mess with that formula? So. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, uh, like we said, it's going to mean that Supergirl's a week behind in, in the discussions, but 
you know, I, th- I think that's okay, especially considering you think about how these shows are interconnected. Supergirl is actually not directly connected to the Arrowverse. Supergirl only interacts when it comes to crossovers. So it, it does kind of stand alone when it's connected to the Arrowverse, but indirectly connected to the Arrowverse. So it, the show kind of stands alone. So the fact it's that it's a multiverse of the Arrowverse yes, where so, things like Black Lightning are, are not still. So. Which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but yeah, so the fact that it kind of is, is part of the multiverse Arrowverse and not the direct Arrowverse, we're still going to be talking about the three main Arrowverse shows together every week. Supergirl will be a week behind. But when it comes to moments where Supergirl does cross over into the main Arrowverse, we will make sure we make plans that that show is up to date. Um, it, it just so happens this year with the crossover that Supergirl is actually going to move into the week. I think she, she's going to be wrapping up the crossover, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, she could be in the middle, or she could be at the end. I think Supergirl has been moved to the end of the crossover for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, but again, I could be wrong about that. However, because the show is moved, it's not going to affect us recording, and it's not going to affect Supergirl. In fact, you might actually get a double dose of Supergirl that week, if it yeah. plays out. You may get a Sunday episode, and then you might get, hey, the, <clears throat> the other piece. And that's okay. I, I can... That's easily manageable. Yes. Special week circumstances, we will make sure that you understand exactly what is happening 100%. So. Exactly. But, I mean, if in you know the, in the case where, like, when they did the musical and it was just Supergirl crossing over with Flash, if that happens again and they don't change the days of everything, we will make sure we go out of our way for our schedule. We'll adapt the schedule a little bit to make sure you are getting an up-to-date podcast with that this week, that mm-hmm. week. So, We'll make it work, but again, Supergirl will be a week behind. We're going to continue to record on Sundays and uh, bring the podcast to you Monday morning, every possible chance that we can. So now that we've gotten scheduling out of the way, let's get the content. Um, we There's a lot of content coming this year. We already have four Arrowverse shows. We have a potential fifth on the horizon in Batwoman. We have, um, you know, so we have Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Potential Batwoman series in the horizon, as we mentioned, uh, Black Lightning, and now you've got DC Universe with Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, and who knows what other shows are going to be seeing on that. Harley Quinn animated series, like, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, There's a lot. Too much (laughs) to cover in one particular podcast. So, um we, if, for those of you that have been with us since the beginning, you'll probably remember that we did cover, uh, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Gotham. And uh, over time, as we went through, we kind of dropped Gotham from the mix. Uh, one, because we weren't happy with the progression of the show. I have since turned on that, and I do like where the series is headed, and I know it's going into its final season, so, um, we might give you a summer annual, not this summer, but maybe next summer we'll wrap up the season, the series as a whole when we'll talk about it. But, um, we, we decided on Gotham dropping Gotham from the mix because Gotham is not directly connected to the Arrowverse. Actually, it's not connected at all to the Arrowverse. It's not right. even a multiverse. Um, so it, it's with that being said that we're going to, put a, f- a concentration of focus back to the Arrowverse when it comes to the show, when the show's return in October, which means we're going to be focusing on Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. Uh, we're going to drop Black Lightning from the weekly discussions, 
And it's not because, don't get us wrong, it's not because we don't enjoy the show. We do. We actually were very pleased with this first season of the show. We're going to continue watching, and we're going to watch every week, as we have before. It's just not going to be part of the weekly discussion, because five shows was a little tedious, and then if Batwoman comes into the mix... Six we're back to five. Yeah. We're back to five again, but with Black Lightning included, it would have been six, and it would have been way too much. Um, here's the one thing I've learned as a podcaster. If you break the hour and a half to two hour time limit, you lose the attention span of people. We could do a two and a half hour, three hour podcast every week. We don't want to. Not because it's tedious, but because you guys don't want that. It's you'll get bored after a certain amount of time. Some of you may absolutely want it, but you know what though? Here's our mea culpa. (laughs) So um, we will be still doing a couple things. Um, The very first week that Titans airs, we will 100% talk that episode. Oh my god! Normal episode. We will probably do if me and Ben are watching Black Lightning as the season is going on. We might say, hey, what a quick update on this, or hey, what a quick update on Titans. But we will still be talking about all these shows. Our summers will also be changing as well. Not uh, only summers, but like mid-season breaks, like Christmas breaks and New Year's and things like that. When so. we have these shows are off for three or four weeks, um, we found a way to make things better. So Titans, we know, is running 13 episodes every Friday, which means by Christmas it will be pretty much wrapped up. So when these shows are on break, what we're thinking about doing, instead of a traditional annual where it says, here's the whole season as a whole, maybe breaking this, sh- the, this series up into two or three episodes of this show, where it's going to be Titans Part 1. It'll just be normal episode titles for us, like episodes 125 and so on and so forth. Um, and it's going to be Titans Part 1, episodes 1 through 4, so on and so forth. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about those chunks as a whole there. And when it gets to... The summer downtime, we'll probably straight up do an annual, uh, or we might just roll the annual into the final episode, uh, and, and actually give you guys the, the full bookend on it then and there for the season. They'll fully be addressed. But when we have those downtimes in the year, it's really hard sometimes to fill those gaps and fill those holes in the schedule of trying to come up with something because eventually, we do run out of things that we can break down in full. You do a show long enough and you get into hundreds of episodes that focus purely on weekly content that's coming out that's reactionary. And when you don't have that content, you need to find something to fill that spot. So the same thing will be happening for Black Lightning. So if we, if it's still running past Christmas and whatnot, then it'll probably end up being in the summer or there's the spring breaks that happen at times. When these shows are on breaks, we they will filter back in. We will give you the content. This is not going to be as it happens. I know it's not going to be what everybody wants, but unfortunately, again, two people, it's really hard to consume that much content, break it down, and give it to you raw and unfiltered as it's happening. And I, I, I'm, I'm still happy we're going to be able to bring you all this, and we're going to give you consistent reviews and our viewpoints on the things. It just might, may not be as it's happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can give you a good idea as to you know Rob mentioned earlier you know about how like a show can uh, a show shouldn't be able to dictate your life um, and it, just to give you a good idea of how much this podcast and the shows that we watch have already kind of reformatted my life a little bit uh, I'm a I'm a big 
cinephile and TV addict and, and stuff like that. I love watching new shows and things like that. Every year, I always look forward to the new fall lineups of like NBC, CBS, ABC, and always watch the trailers for all the new shows that are debuting and things like that. And I do that every year. Last year, I didn't do it nearly as much. I kind of stuck to the shows I was already watching. And this year, a number of shows I was already watching, uh, shows like Scorpion, Designated Survivor, which actually got picked up by Netflix, by the way. Um, you know, a lot of shows that, that I watched that got canceled, I was bummed that got canceled. But this was the first year that I really have not looked at trailers for new shows that are coming out, with the exception of one, um, Manifest on NBC, I think looks fantastic. And I'm going to watch that. But I haven't been watching trailers for the new shows because I kind of don't want to get interested in something else. Because I'm already spending so much time on the five shows that we're already watching. I know there's all these new content that's coming to DC Universe. And I've kind of just been looking at everything and being like, you know what? With all the stuff that I'm already watching and all the stuff new that I'm going to be watching with DC Universe, I'm not going to have time for anything else. And I don't want to get sucked into other new shows. Like, I know people are telling me about, like, New Amsterdam. And, like, I'm like, I don't care. I, I, I don't want to watch the trailers. I don't even want to be involved in it. Because between the DC shows that we already watched, Game of Thrones coming back this summer, or not this summer, um, 2019, Westworld and the shows I already watch, it, it's just, it's, it's too much. And I've, I've already let this, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I love the fact that this podcast has kind of formatted my life to this point. Because I'm really enjoying the shows that I'm watching. It's not that I'm doing it and I, I it's tedious work because, Hell, I'm still entertained, so I'm not complaining one bit. But that should just give you, oh, sorry, that should just give you a good idea as to why we're making decisions like this. Right. And to <laughs> kind of jump on that point a little bit as well, the same thing for me is, um, when the overload happens, I can also tell you for, for at least from my perspective, it also makes me not want to do the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it becomes a point of stress and not a point of enjoyment. And if you're stressing out about something you have to do, the enjoyment starts to get leached out of doing a show like this. And is I love this podcast being a part of my life every week. And I want it to continue to, if we get to the point where we're doing six shows every week, um, that will be a very short lived run. I think for DC prime time, once that moment happens, because I can tell you, I probably couldn't make it past two months. Um, some of you may or may not know that are friends with me. I actually do have some um, severe health problems. And um, stress uh, exacerbates it a lot. Yeah. And uh, I have to be very careful and very cautious. And one of the things I have to be make sure I do is not overload. And uh, we were getting to the overload point. And it's getting it's, – it's tough. It's really tough. Um and this is a chance for me, and it's not to just for you guys to hear this stuff, but this is a chance for me to be able to enjoy geeking out with one of my best friends in the world. So, and Aww. I, that's what I, I do. I want to meet him one day. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, I consider you the same thing. So, and it's it, that's a big thing is for me is I don't want to lose that, but it, uh, burning out is is a real thing. Um, there's reasons podcasts end, and um. We're trying to make sure that doesn't happen uh, anytime in the near future. Uh, you know, eventually one day there is going to be a point that Ben and I both say, thank you guys so much for this ride. It was awesome. Um, 
but now now's the time for something new. Uh, there, there, that is eventually on the horizon one day. It's gonna happen. Uh, whether it's because enough DC shows end or other pieces like that, but it's, uh, we wanna go as long as we can. Yeah. And, and uh, we don't wanna end prematurely because it was something that we made a bad call. And, uh, this is, we know this is the right call for us. We don't, and, we don't wanna, we, we wanna go out on our own terms and not being burnt out. Yeah. And that this is the right way for us to do this. Um, and I mean, I can tell you this now, I'm incredibly excited for this new season, but I can also tell you how great it's going to be to not have to think about five shows or six shows at once. Because we were thinking about it and I'm like, man, I want to cover Titans. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what, covering, and I was even thinking more and more, covering Titans in the mix with the rest of this stuff. Ooh, that's a terrifying thought. And then when Black Lightning got added, I'm like, oh god, that's going to be a terrifying thought. And then then Batwoman got announced and we're like, oh my god. And like you saw it in us every time we posted about a new show getting announced, there was you could even read it. You could read the gasp for air or the sigh or the eye roll behind each of those announcements from us because we're like, how are we gonna do this? Um, and this is this is how we're gonna do this. So we hope you stick with us. If you don't, we really appreciate you being here for us, but um and with us and we hope you stick around like i said the format will be a little bit different i mean some things will be behind but uh you're still going to get a show from us each and every week focusing on the arrowverse and you know what and i I think the thing about it too and i I was thinking about this a lot lately too we have a lot of people that follow the 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 facebook page uh facebook.com slash dc prime time and i know not all of them listen to the podcast podcasting is not everybody's thing this is kind of like an added bonus to some people we started with the podcast created the page around it and there are a lot of people that go to us for for dc news and, and we love that and i think you and i can both agree that even if the podcast stops the page will continue Probably, uh, you know, it'll be a good way for us to keep in connection with people that did listen to this, as well as still being like a news aggregator for, uh, you know, everything DC, because we do take from a lot of different sources and for a lot of people to follow that many different sources like we do, it can become tedious. So it's it's a way for us to kind of bring that together for you guys as well. And there's been a number of stories that we've broken. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, Before. Other larger news outlets have done it. I mean, you look at um, what was the one story that we we broke? Oh, the Brent Spiner one. Like, it popped up in a variety, and every one of the news sources that normally post on this stuff consistently were we, we hours beat them all by like an, We beat them by, like, a couple hours. Yeah. And, I mean, unfortunately, that story has since changed, but... Hey, um, Tron coming into Supergirl is not an insignificant thing whatsoever. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, we're going to continue to bring you the Facebook page no matter what. Uh, we want to bring you this podcast as long as possible. So, just a quick recap. <clears throat> I am getting funny. Um, just a quick recap to everything. We're going to continue the podcast on Sundays to release on Monday mornings, as we have been doing since we started this podcast. Uh, the meat of the podcast every week is going to be the four Arrowverse shows, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. But we're going to continue to highlight Black Lightning. We're going to continue to talk about Titans. We're going to talk about Swamp Thing, all the DC Universe. We're just going to not focus on them primarily until the off seasons. Um, you know, Christmas, New Year's, when the other shows are on break, and of course the summer is when we're going to put more of a focus on that. So that we're not bringing you these filler shows. Because let's be real, that's that's kind of what they are. We're filling in summer our, you know, with our Silver Age. We love doing that. 
but we've kind of already touched on everything at this point. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about in a couple minutes, we're going to be talking about the original Michael Keaton Batman and Batman Begins. Once we're done talking about these Batman films, I really don't know what's left. Well, there's one other thing left, and we're going to do that before the end of the summer. But um, after that, I, I, I don't know what to bring you guys. Yeah, I mean, I know Shad's going to tell us to do Batman Beyond because he's been wanting us to do that for a while. And we really should because he's been a listener since the start. So if nothing else... For him, we should probably do that. Hey, maybe um, in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Chad in here and we'll do a Batman Beyond episode. Yeah, so. exactly. But I, I mean, this is, this is a good way for us to bring you new and fresh material every week, even when these shows are not on. Yeah. Uh, even when the main Arrowverse shows are not on. So think of it as the same way, <clears throat> you know, shows like Survivor and Hell's Kitchen do two seasons a year. Dancing with the Stars, I don't even know why I mentioned that one. There's two seasons a year. They do a summer season and a fall season. That's kind of what we're adapting to. We're going to do the fall season, which will be the, the main core of the Arrowverse shows, and then we're going to switch into the summer season, which will be Titans, Black Lightning, some um, Swamp Patrol, Thing. Swamp Thing, yeah, yes. exactly. So, and when, <clears throat> one of the new shows premieres, we'll always sneak in a you know, full a pre- a preview. Review. We'll we'll do a preview of that, which will be like a normal traditional review, like we do each and every mm-hmm. week for all the other shows. So the first episodes will always get in there. So you'll hear Black Lightning, and it'll be a preview Black Lightning episode. Uh, not an episode, but section that'll be in the podcast. As we mentioned, we'll do maybe occasional minutes, like the Titan Minute, you know, uh, stuff like that. Just to if if there's something massive. Gives us a chance to geek out if we're current. If, if that means purely if Ben and I are current at that moment. Uh, and even if it's a week or two behind, like, man, episode six was insane. Like, yeah. We <laughs> oh my God. Can you believe we'll what they did those... Black Lightning this week? Exactly. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll get a chance to have those moments, but then we'll break it down for you in full come summer or yes. the off season. So we will 100% be there, be ready. And we'll make sure that you can still follow along best as possible. So. And you know what? And I think that's the best way, the way I just put it, I think that's the best way to describe it simplified is that um, from now on, we're not bringing you one season a year. We're bringing you two. Yeah. We're bringing you a fall season. We're bringing you a summer season. Different shows discussed on each season, but we're bringing you fresh content the entire year now and no more filler shows in the summer. Yeah. And the way I, when I put it like that, I'm kind of more excited for it. Yeah, uh, again, shows have to, uh, shows change with the time, and this is, uh, this is the next evolution. As we told you, after episode 100, there's gonna be a change to the podcast. Ta-da! <laughs> and you know what? It's funny, cause we started talking about, you know, how the showcast spotlight is now the spotlight, which was another show that has been through multiple evolutions, with, hey, you know, to become what it is now. Captain Three massive changes. Uh, fully different cast when we started with four of us that was not the product I wanted to release. Um, and after a group of episodes, it changed and it was a new kind of show, but kind of the format I originally wanted. And then we said, Hey, we made a mistake and had a Disney episode and got really into the topic. Yeah. And then the show transitioned to what it is now and it's, uh, better than I ever expected. Yeah. So, and you no, know, the show and you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, and I'll end up, uh, on, I'll end with this and we'll go into the Batman discussion. This is the one piece of advice I always give podcasters. I've given every podcaster and I've had a number of people reach out to me, as I'm sure you probably have too, on how to get started in podcasting and things like that. And I've actually thought about doing like a clinic, uh, on how to do it. But, um, 
or like a workshop, but the one piece of advice I give to any podcaster and I give to all of you guys that are listening right now, if you're ever interested in doing a podcast and we have friends who unfortunately don't follow this and this is why their podcast struggle. Do not be afraid of change. Do not be afraid of evolution. Your yeah. podcast is going to change as you do it. And um, three, three key words, evolve or die. Uh, that's yeah. really what it boils down to. You're, you're going to have an idea how you want to start your podcast and what you want it to be. But as you record, you're going to realize things that work and things that don't. Don't try to force your podcast to be what you want it to be. Let it adapt to what it needs to be and you will be successful. All right, so now it's time for the bullet points. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God, it's been a long time since I said that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. How was that? That was like first of that first That's, adaptation of the podcast. Yeah, for this show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It was the, the Secret Origins, the bullet point. Uh, yeah. It's oh a very, very different show now. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It is Batman Day, at least on the day that you are listening to this and this has been released. So let's talk a little Batman. Or Spider-Man the game and why? <laughs> no, it's kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yes. So 1989. Let's start with the Tim Burton classic. Yeah, let's let's start with it. I mean, obviously you have this was the first iteration of Batman that we had seen since, I believe. I mean, I think the animated series was already out. Oh, no, not yet. Okay, all right. Um, Not until right around Batman Returns. I think it was a year after Batman Returns is when Batman the Animated Series first aired. So Batman, so Batman the Animated Series was early '90s then, and not. Okay, yeah, that would make more sense timeline wise. So yeah, so this is the first iteration of Batman we're getting since the 1966 Adam West and Burt Ward version of Batman, and not including things like Challenge of the Super Friends, superpowers, things like that. But yeah, live action. Yeah, um, I mean, and the first time, I mean. We're getting, you know, an origin of Batman. Um, and let's start with Michael Keaton. I mean, as the casting, because this was something I know I remember reading at the time. Well, not at the time. I was only like 10 years old at the time. I wasn't reading into movies at that point. Um, but I, you know, looking back at everything and just remembering hearing things about how, you know, people were very, Mr. Uh, Mom is Batman, you know. Yeah, I mean, Keaton at this point had really only done a series of comedies. He had Mr. Mom, um, Gung Ho, Beetlejuice, uh, Night Shift, Beetlejuice. Yeah, he was a comedic actor at this point. So to cast somebody like that into this role, I know people were very skeptical about this. And I know a lot of times now when you hear of casting – and you're very skeptical of the casting, like, I don't know if that's going to work. A very common thing to say is, like, well, look at Keaton and Batman. Yeah. Because people were not sure. He was a comedic actor. It redefined his career, like, massively. Absolutely redefined his career. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, and to this day, I mean, we've had, obviously, we've got Kevin Conroy's Batman, Adam West, uh, you know, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, which we'll get to in Val a minute. Kilmer, Val Clooney. Kilmer, Clooney, <laughs> Affleck now. Yeah. Keaton still to this day. Now, don't get me wrong. Affleck is up towards the top of that list for me. Mm -hmm. But because I grew up on this movie, um, Keaton will still always be my Batman. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, Kevin Conroy, but yeah, Keaton's uh, <laughs> Keaton's really up there because I grew up with it so much and adored it and loved it so much. Do you remember your first time seeing this in theaters? Did you see this? I got to Okay, so let me. I did see it in theater. Okay, I you see, saw it in the theater. Do you remember that experience? Because I remember mine. I still oh, very remember oh, yeah. clearly 
I actually saw this at a drive-through movie in movie theater. Ah, you know what? In my life, I've never been to a drive-in, and that's one of the saddest things I've ever had. To They're say. still around. Uh, yeah, it's just, I think there's one in Jersey, so I'm. Oh, I'm there's maybe... one in PA too. It's only like an hour and fifteen minutes away. <laughs> okay, we need, to, we need to make a trip. Road trip. Um, but yeah, I remember it, this was a um, a double feature. Um, and I have to look. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but the movie that played before Batman was the main feature. Um, and the movie that played before it was a police academy movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one. Oh, I want to say, Citi- uh, say Citizens Own Patrol. But nah, I um, think Citizens Own Patrol is a little bit before it. That might be the Miami Beach one. That um, might be the Gutenberg list police academy film. I'm looking right. Um, yeah, I think it was because my as- assignment Miami Beach was 88. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh God, sounds about right. Don't remember that movie at all, but I remember it being a police academy movie. And then, yeah, <laughs> Batman was the was the 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 feature, and I remember seeing it at a drive-through in Jersey. And man, I think just being in awe that I was seeing Batman on the big screen. Now, I mean, I was only 10 years old. My only, because as you had mentioned, Batman, the animated series was not out yet. The, uh, the 60s version of Batman was too, too young for, was, you know, was too well passed for me at that point. I try getting a 10 year old to sit and watch a show like that. Well, Maybe I did. I don't remember. I, I still watched it back then. I mean, because that was the Batman I had. That was what I was already used to. And I knew Batman was a darker, grittier character from already reading comics at this point in time of my life. Because I was 1989. I would have been nine years old. So, because, uh, or eight or nine years old based on when it, when it premiered. And, uh, yeah, man, like I can say right off the bat, man, this was, this changed everything for me on the way I looked at superheroes, looked at comic books, the seriousness of things like that. I mean, I've seen Superman at this point in time, like the Richard Donner one. I knew how good a comic book movie could be. Uh, but this made me infatuated. And I mean, just infatuated with this character so much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, right off the bat though, too, the cast of this movie is so just astounding. Jack Palance, uh, you know, Nicholson, Kim Basinger, Robert Rule. I mean, Pat, we've already Pat Hingle, yeah. Yeah, uh, oh my god, it's just, it's just Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Uh, good old Billy D. I remember seeing it as a kid. I'm like, that's Lando, and I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, just just a really wonderfully excellent, excellent cast. And, uh, and every time I even remember years later when HBO did shows like Arliss and I'm like, Hey, look, that's Knox. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's all these little pieces that kind of go to the next, like Michael Gow is as, as, you know, Alfred, like all these pieces created into this kind of pot, this wonderfully great, just different interpretation that we were not used to seeing of Batman. I mean, again, it's not a comic accurate Batman by any stretch of the ima- imagination at all. But man, oh man, did it did it change the social view of Batman as a character? Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And it's it's one of those things too. Like, I, you know, I look back at this, and I think, you know, while the cast is phenomenal, as you mentioned, I think going back, you know, again, I was only ten years old when this movie came out. 
I think this is really my first introduction to a lot of these characters. I mean, I had never, as a 10-year-old, when was I ever going to see Jack Plants in anything before that? Um, you know, same with Nicholson. I wasn't watching Easy Rider as a 10-year-old. I wasn't watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as a 10-year-old. So I think this was my first introduction to Jack Nicholson. Um, I, I might have seen Keaton in one or two things. I might have watched Gung Ho, Gung Ho and Mr. Mom at that point, but... You know, you're not at that at 10 years old, you're not clicking on remembering actors and things like that. Pop culture then was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. So you're not really paying attention to careers as much as a kid as people do now, like 10 year olds now, because um, conventions weren't around back then. Well, they they might have been. Were. They were just very different in what they were. The yeah. early 90s is when you saw, saw a larger boom of them, like things like Comic Fest, which would become Wizard World and things like that. Um, went through their paces. I mean, they, it was, you know, it was when Image Comics and all those things, that's when the, the industry boomed again. It's when you saw that really expand. But this was, this was one of those things that helped probably create that environment. I mean, I, I, I would think that's probably one of those reasons. It was impossible to go anywhere in 1989 around the release of that movie without seeing the bat symbol everywhere. God, and that was cups so and amazing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is one of those things. And this is, I think, probably one of the first times in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I did watch Star Wars when I was younger, but I was never like one of those kids that was like, I need the Millennium Falcon. Like, I, I was never kind of like that. I was more into G.I. Joe, He-Man, stuff like that. I was into the stuff I was already Transformers, into. yeah. Like, it Transformers, was, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when this movie came out, man, I remember wholeheartedly after this was over and seeing the commercial for these toys, I needed Batwing. I, I needed the Batmobile. The Batmobile. Yes. Oh. I because again it's to have it's, these toys. It's so funny though too, because everybody will say there's been so many versions of the Batmobile on screen. Nothing will ever touch the Tim Burton one. Uh I I think as far as for just amazingly stunning uh, live action. I mean, I think most people would say to this day, this is the top three Batmobiles that have appeared on screen are probably the Adam West one, the one from Burton, and the animated series. And everything else, they're all pretty damn cool. The Tumblr's up there. I was going to say, things, the Tumblr's pretty cool. The Tumblr's pretty damn cool. But, I mean, like I said, when you see these, though, man, those are usually most people that grew up in our era would say these are the most kick-ass Batmobiles that exist. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you think of just like, cause again, when, when you look at the, you know, the 66 Batman and that Batmobile, it was, you know, it was cool. It, it had like a, a jet out of the bat, a jet engine in the back and it could do some cool things. But when, it, when you finally saw this one and like the bulletproof shields that came up, it could drive by itself. It had bombs in the hubcaps. Like it, this was like, this was awesome to a I kid. Mean, this was oh, also yeah. to adults. The machine guns that popped up out of the top of it that just flipped up and you're like, oh my god, how awesome is this? And again, it's funny because nowadays people like lose their minds. They're like, Batman used a gun! And I'm like, but you're probably a same kid that was like, that Batmobile is amazing! And I'm like, <laughs> are you forgetting when Ace Chemicals blew up and he probably killed at least 20, 30 people? At least. <laughs> at yeah. Least. He was killing henchmen left and right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's let's not kid ourselves, folks. Batman on screen has always killed people unless it has been, you know, the 66 Batman. And probably even if you go back and look at that shot, Mike, nope, that guy's dead. (laughs) There's no question about it. Um, It's just (laughs) look, it's it's just the thing you got to get used to. And 
that Hollywood will never quite get right, and that's okay. Again, every one of these things is its own thing. It's an Elseworld, but man, oh man, did this movie, was this movie something special? And like I said, and I think it's kind of funny as we're talking about this, especially for Batman Day, this movie changed the social perception of this character like another DC character that's probably just about to go through the exact same thing, which is great to say, which is Aquaman. Everybody thinks of Aquaman as a joke character, but I guarantee you once James Wan's film is out there, even if it's just a good movie, you know, I think the social change on his character will be just as equally as heavy as Batman. I mean, comic book fans know differently about Aquaman and knew differently about Batman already, that they're not those types of characters, but the social the the social whole does not think of did not think of Batman that way until they saw that version because they thought of Adam West and everybody thinks of Aquaman right now as that super friends kind of like oh god it's Aquaman great it's the butt of the joke but when you're going to see Momoa in a couple months that's going to change yeah. it's and I that's what's really exciting and awesome about this yeah I, I agree with you completely I think you know looking back at this film and this is one of those films that I. I'll never get tired of watching. Like, if this is on cable or if this is, like, one of those movies that comes up in a random playlist, the way I watch things at home, I I never turn it off. Like, I will sit and I will watch it. Same thing with Batman Returns. Yeah, um, yeah Batman Returns. It, I, I think yeah, they're junk food movies, man. They're they're great junk food movies. That's it's like putting on a warm pair of slippers or like curling up in a blanket on a cold day. I'm like, I'm gonna watch Batman. Yeah, <laughs> and not like the new Batman. I'm talking about Burton Batman. Like, just ridiculous. It, it, it's 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 weird. It's kooky, uh, but it's fun, man. It, it it's it has a warm place in my heart that will never be replaced by any other Batman film. No, I mean, and you again, you look at the time that this movie came out, 1989, the, the, the only other iterations that we had gotten other than animated or campy 1966 Batman, this was the first re- re- reiteration of Batman. And you know what? It's funny. A TV show that I watched, The Goldbergs, actually touches base on this. They do a Batman episode in which they go to see this new Batman in theaters. Like, it's what Adam wants to go see. And it's, it's funny because he takes his grandfather, who was familiar with the 1966 Batman. And, you know, it's funny because the young Adam is in theaters in awe, which is what we were all like as kids watching this movie. And the grandfather's in the theaters like, where are the bands? Where are the pals? Like, this is com- a completely new thing that I think not just revitalized the Batman franchise, but comic book movies in general. Oh, yeah. This was the next evolution. Superman starts it. This is the evolution of that idea. And then it just, you know, they, they, you know, the training wheels came off that day. And it's kind of like, hey, look, we're not afraid to tell a dark or gritty story. So, yeah. And then you, you, you kind of look at everything that came together for this film from the cast, which we already talked about, the direction of Tim Burton, who I, I'm a fan of Burton, no matter what anybody says. He hasn't always made hits, but I still enjoy most of what he does. You know, so you look at, you know, Burton mixed with the cast, mixed with the character itself. Uh, and not only that, but the soundtrack, the music to this film, which I oh, think was Elfman. Danny Elfman, <laughs> Danny Elfman mixed with a soundtrack purely by Prince. Um, you put those three things together, man, and you have lightning in a bottle with this film. You really, really did. And to this day, I'll still sing Bat Dance by Prince or, um, or Party Man by Prince because they're, they're still in my playlist to this day 
because they just make me think of this film every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they are. They, this is such a wonderfully iconic movie. And again, Nicholson also set a standard for the Joker like no one else before, too. Uh, again, we only had Cesar Romero. But I mean, like, man, when they they cast him to everybody, like, holy crap, this is a serious thing. Uh, I mean, again, I remember seeing, you know, cardboard cutouts walking through, you know, the malls by us of that Joker and. Everybody having those, that symbol with that yellow and black circle befi- behind the face. And man, it was everywhere. And it was so cool. I mean, I loved, I loved every second of that and every moment of that. I remember eating Batman cereal. Mm-hmm. I had it too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I it, absolutely it, had it too. It, this was the time of franchising, man. This was like, you had something successful, you Burger put out a toy cups, line. Whatever yep. it was, you know, those collectible glass cups, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you sticker books. Tops trading cards, you know, spoof versions of Cracked and Mad Magazine, whatever it may have been, man, it was everywhere. It was impossible to not look the other way and see a thousand one of these things. Video games, I mean, God, the Sunsoft game for NES is a game I still go back to to this yeah, day. When I'm, I'm, I'm down and kind of feeling like I need something to do, man, That's I, I love that. Those things that tie into this just... Wonderfully fun movie. And if you can find any of that stuff, whether it's a cardboard cutout, a toy, anything from that series, you get it. Get it and grab it and hold on to it because, one, it's hard to find, and, two, they're worth some bucks. Yeah. Um, because of that. So, yeah, it's just – and one of the last questions I have for you when it comes to this movie, and because I have two in mind for me, um, for this film – I think I know where you're going to go with it, but what do you think is the most quotable line from this movie? I Actually, there's three that I have that stick out to me. Uh, well, I think the key one that everybody still uses so much to this day is where does he get those wonderful toys? That's one. Yep. Um, and, you know, um, you want to uh, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? That's two. And you want to get nuts? Come on. That's, let's that's, get nuts. That's the third one. Yep. <laughs> They are the three, are the three most quotable. Yep, they are the three most quotable lines of this movie to me. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, this has just been like. There's really not much else. I don't think we can say about the film. I mean, other than the fact that we love it. I mean, <clears throat> you 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 go back to to Michael Gow as Alfred Pennyworth, and while he was a fantastic Alfred, he was the one constant I think throughout all four. Of the films, uh, Gordon. Gordon was also the same constant. Okay, so um, uh, uh, Pat Engle. Yes. So yeah. it was. Those were the only two that that stayed consistent from start to finish. Okay. Yeah, because we know the Batman's changed. Obviously, uh, Robin and Batgirl were not in all of them. Now, I want to I want to ask before we move into Batman Begins and kind of tie this to the the other three movies a little bit. Um, let's let's just say the other two movies. We're not going to count the fourth one. At least not right now. Mm-hmm. One thing that I absolutely loved about these movies, obviously I, I was a big fan of Keaton as Batman, but I think not counting Batman and Robin, you look at Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever. And I know there's people that disagree with me, at least on the Batman Forever part of this. One thing this series of movies did right, at least these first three, was the villains. Um Joker was obviously, I think, the most obvious one to go with with re, with bringing this franchise to life. He's the most recognizable. He's the one you should go with. The backstory was obviously a little bit different. 
Jack Napier was never the one that killed Bruce's parents, so that's... But I understand the tie-in to making it work. But getting Jack Nicholson as Joker, I think, was perfect. Getting Danny DeVito, you can't get any more perfect casting as Penguin for a film mm. in that. Yes and no. At um, that time? Uh, it was great casting, what they did with this character. Not so much, but it was still enjoyable for what it was. I enjoyed what, it, well, yeah. I say he was Oswald Cobblepot, not at all. Did I enjoy his performance in the, the version that they gave us that was completely different and unlike anything else ever before? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, is that Oswald Cobblepot in the comics or anything like that or anything close to it? Not one bit. I still um, love it. Oh, I still love it, but um, if I were to ever say, what is the defining person that has played that character? I wouldn't have an answer for you yet. <laughs> so I, I don't know, say, man. I Robin say, Lord Taylor is pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would give you Robin Lord Taylor, actually. I will say that. I would give you Robin Lord Taylor. He's he's pretty damn good at that role in Gotham, um, and he's really come into it, especially in the fourth season. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. She was, in a, she was a very fun Catwoman. Also, again, returns deviates is where the deviation happens uh, in, in the heaviest of places. Um, as far as the villains and how the villains are the villains, uh, it, Joker was very close. You know, they, they got him r- pretty much almost on the money minus the, the, the backstory, you know, the backstory stuff. Yeah. But him becoming the Joker, man, all of that was great. It worked perfectly. Yeah. Um, uh, again, don't get me wrong. I still absolutely enjoy and adore Batman and Returns for what it is and as a continuation of the Tim Burton film. Uh, is connected to the greater of Batman lore and such. Yeah. There's a lot I would leave behind. But again, it's a very fun and warped and interesting movie. Um, but yeah, but going on, I know, I mean, I kind of, I'm probably sure I fall in the minority on this. There are parts of me that love Batman forever, and it's not for Val Kilmer as Batman. It's certainly not for the bright and vibrant vibrant neon that Joel Schumacher brought to it. Um, but I actually really enjoyed Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. I, I will let you sit on that hill, hill by yourself, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was probably in the minority on that one. but I, 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 I as, as growing up, I, I enjoyed it a lot. As I got a little bit older, um, that that opinion changed pretty dramatically. So. I will let you sit on that hill alone. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, don't even get me started on the fourth one. Um, nope. But I mean, let's not do that. And as much as I enjoyed, you know, Batman Forever, my enjoyment did diminish a little bit when I did read an article on what the original plans for the third one were to be. Uh, it was supposed to be a return of Billy D. Williams as um, as Dent and. Uh, Two-Face, it was originally supposed to be Robin Williams as the Riddler, yep. and it was supposed to be Tim Burton. It was supposed to be another Tim Burton film. With uh, with Robin joining into the ranks in that film as well. But, so. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was going to be a dramatically different film, and I would yeah. have loved to have seen that, because I would have loved to see those darker, gritty takes that Burton would have come up with, uh, versus it, what felt like a closer bridge between 1966 and the Tim Burton point, it, it kind of felt like it was moving backwards. And that's why I think I had such a, a problem because the, as much as we love the 66 one, it, because we knew it was campy, it's kind of hard to go from something that's very serious. And again, in the context of a movie about a man that dresses up as a bat and beats up people, um, you know, to uh, backsliding your villains to really, really over the top. Um, 
performances and dialogue and acting choices. Um, it was, it was a very bizarre <laughs> in the grand scheme of things versus what we just came from. Uh, I think if you started in that direction and moved darker, it would have made sense, but it felt so weird to bookend that series in the way that they did. But it's not to say that it's a terrible movie as we were recently talking in the Facebook thread talking about Hellraiser. Hellraiser one and two, I think are fantastic, fantastic horror movies. Three and four are very watchable movies. Watchable does not mean good. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, way that's I still view Batman Forever and Batman, uh, Batman and Robin. Watchable, watchable does not mean good. Yes, very, very true. Uh, all right. So with that being said, let's talk about the new, well, new not the newest iteration because uh, we we've got Affleck now, uh, but the 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 franchise was rebooted once again in 2005 in the form of Batman Begins. We have a new Batman, that being Christian Bale. We have a new Alfred, uh, being Michael Caine. And I just want to start off by saying, good God, I can't picture anybody else as Alfred other than Michael Caine at this point. Yeah, Killian Murphy, amazing Doctor Crane, mm-hmm. uh, just wonderfully, wonderfully done. Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson, Rachel Cool. Um, you, you, Tom Wilkinson played a great, 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 great villain as well. And my brain Carmine is Falcone. Cal- oh yeah, Falcone. Uh, my my almost went to Maroni. I'm like, no, 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 it's Falcone. Um, uh, but yeah, like all the pieces that kind of came together for that were unlike anything anyone expected. Uh, and became the blueprint for Arrow. Even even Stephen Amell recently came out in the last week or two, stating, "No, absolutely, Nolan's films were the were the blueprint for that show." And it's all over season one. It absolutely is all over season one of of that TV show. And it was something that was truly amazing. Um, because we never got as much of a deep dive about Bruce's journey to becoming that character which is what made that movie so wholly unique. Uh, and it, it was coming from a director that only had had a couple big hits at that time. And not even to say big hits. I think he had the prestige out and memento. Um, and they were awesome films. Yeah. Just truly wonderful, wonderful movies. And when he got around to making this one, man, this was uh, that moment. You're like, wow, this guy has got such a brilliant mind for taking these characters and, wholly different lights that we've never seen before and exploring parts that have only been mentioned. And I thought that was just a really inspiring take and tale on this character. Well, well, not only that, but I mean, this is, this was something that, and I think I, I, I want to pride Christopher Nolan on this too, other than the fact that, I mean, this is a brilliant film uh, and I think it only gets better when you go into the dark Knight. Um, dark Knight returns. Not so much. I think it's probably my least favorite of the three, but it's that does, that's not to say it's not a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a stinker in, in this trilogy. It's just. Dark Knight Returns is not my my favorite. It's probably my least of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Returns, but or Rises, I think Rises. Dark Knight Rises, yeah. Uh, sorry, um, but I, I, one thing I pride Christopher Nolan on with this is when you look at you know Batman sixty six, you look at Batman with Michael Keaton and that and that whole run of films. Batman the animated series had been on at this point, and I think had already ended at this yeah, point. It was, it was very very over. I think by that point. I think Nolan took a risk when he made the choices that he made for the main antagonists for this film. You look at the Scarecrow. Scarecrow is not a very popular villain at this point. I mean, he was made more popular by the animated series, but 
you know, people were still more familiar with Joker and Penguin and Catwoman and, and such. And he kind of took a gamble in not using any of them and using going a different route and going with Scarecrow and with Ra's al Ghul. And I think it, I think it worked brilliantly. Um, again, you you mentioned um, uh, Cillian Murphy, who was a fantastic um, Doctor Crane. Yeah. Doctor Crane. Yeah, my, my mind was blanking there for a it's bit. Okay. <laughs> um, and really made that villain downright frightening. As a matter of fact, that that it was you know, and then you bring in Ra's al Ghul as well, and you throw on the whole twist of. You're led to believe that one person is Ra's al Ghul. You're led to believe that Ra's al Ghul is dead. And then in the end, you find out that Liam Neeson was really Ra's al Ghul, which really goes hand in hand with his character when you and his backstory, if you think about it. But at the time you're watching that film, the story is told so well that you really aren't thinking about that. And it you even are, left you questioning. It's like, wait, what, did he become the next Ra's, uh, Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul? And again, that's the only that's actually, I think, oddly enough, my biggest gripe about the movie, Ra's al Ghul. Raish Al Ghul, not Ra's Al Ghul. I see. I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard it both ways. So it's um, like I've even. I think I've even heard it on. Well, no, I think Arrow always says Raish. Yeah. They actually had. They had. I think uh, Talia. Actually, not Talia. Um. Oh my God. Katrina Law. Damn it. Nissa. Nissa actually is like. Nope. It's Raish. <laughs> even one point. Uh, a couple seasons ago, which I had had me cracking up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's told so brilliantly that, you know, you're introduced to Raja in the beginning, you're led to believe Raja is dead, and then the focus shifts to, uh, to Crane and to Scarecrow to the point where when Raja returns at the end, you're kind of surprised by it. So the storytelling was told very, very well mm-hmm. in this film. So I, I don't and, know if you, and, if you agree. And, oh, yeah, I absolutely agree because they also mirrored and got those villains directly correct. Absolutely correct. Everything about them, the way that the league actually operates and works and the ways that they do what they do. The only thing that they do is call them, they call them the League of Shadows versus the League of Assassins. And that's it. Only because League of Shadows sounds cooler. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the only reason why it was changed. But it was, it was a perfect mix. And I, I still think there was a sequence early on in that movie and it's that Liam Neeson bail scene where they're fighting and dueling on the ice. And then I, every time I see that shot, I just smile because I love the way that looks. And it's Liam Neeson's dialogue and his monologuing through that sequence is so wonderful as we see all these pieces. And well, I know, love how beautifully, like, the, you know, the blue flower ties into the fear toxin. And, man, they just get so much right about the pacing and everything about that film. We, you know, it's funny too, is going on about your, your whole theory as to whether or not Liam Neeson's character becomes the new Raj Al Ghul when, or was he Raj to begin with? If you look at the, if the credits of the film, uh, Ken Wantanabe is actually listed as Raj Al Ghul and Michael K- and, um, Liam Neeson is listed as Ducard. Yeah. He's never called Raj in the credits. Right. And that's what the thing is. It's again, I, I love the fact that they even do it because they leave you questioning it. Without giving you a definitive answer, and we all know the definitive answer is yes, he was Ray Uncle. That's it. Yeah. That's all. All there is to it. But I remember seeing it as a kid, or not a kid. I was in my twenties. <laughs> uh, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. But um, when you still see that, though, you're still like, man, I'm I'm not sure. But that was amazing. Um, 
And yeah, it's it was it was flawless, man. That was it was such a wonderfully phenomenal movie. Well, there's a number of other cast members we haven't even talked about yet. I mean, you have obviously you have Gary Oldman, who oh god, uh, his portrayal of Jim Gordon, man, is is absolutely fantastic, and I love every second of it. Even <clears throat> going back and rewatching Batman Begins, and like the moments getting to see him drive the Batmobile, um, and you know. Just watching him, watching that character, he he portrays that character so well. Um, you have Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes, and I gotta ask right off the bat, Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal? Uh, I'm not a fan of either of them, so that's a hard call. Um, uh, you know what? I guess I'd give it to Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's the better actress, in my opinion. Um, but I, I don't. I, I think they're the weak links in in those two films. So. Which was appropriate because the weak link is gone by the second one. Um, but let's not forget too, Morgan Freeman as Lucius oh, Fox. You're, you're, you're getting such a fantastic actor coming into the fold now, you know, in with Christian Bale and Michael Caine and Liam Neeson. But you're, we're getting an introduction to a character that one, unless you read the comics, I don't think people knew about Lucius. Mm-hmm. He was in the animated series, uh, but only a couple episodes. Just yeah, exactly. Like he wasn't a regular in the animated series, um, <clears throat> but he's a character who's been around my entire life. He's been around, I think, since like 1979 was his first introduction. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a character and uh, again, bravo to Christopher Nolan and the writers for bringing in and introducing and, people to this and character. Honor, yeah, honoring these classic characters for the very first time. And that was what was made this movie so special, is so many of these characters got honored on the big screen for a live-action film for the very first time. I mean, and since then, Lucius has become... Uh, uh, he's a part of Batman mythos now. I mean, he he, he always was, but I mean, as far as a larger like, part, a, a, lar- a larger visible part to the general public, which yeah. is, I think, again, is what we talked about beforehand with... The, the social shift and change of who we thought that character was, if you, you've never picked up a comic book but knew who he was, the same thing happened here where it helped redefine it and uh, introduce people to characters they may not know and have made them fall down the rabbit hole of new rogues that they didn't know existed. And that's the great thing about these two franchises, like uh, with the old Burton uh, series that ends with Schumacher to the Nolan series. Yeah, I mean, you, you again, you, you know, you focus on a character like Lucius, who, until this this series, the, the Christopher Nolan series, many people didn't really know about, and <clears throat> now he's a he's a series regular on Gotham. He's in uh, the Batman video games that we play. Uh, I don't was he in the Arkham series? I can't remember. Uh, I'm not he, sure if he was or not. I think he is. Uh, he's brought up a couple times, but I don't think we visually see him if memory serves correctly. Yeah, but he's in the uh, Telltale. Telltale one, though. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for certain. So yeah, it's just I, there's so much about these films that I pride Christopher Nolan on, and again, fantastic soundtracks when it comes to this. I can't remember. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Okay, Hans Zimmer does it for this one, mm-hmm. um, but I couldn't remember. Uh, Going back and rewatching because I did. I rewatched Batman Begins last night, knowing we were going to be talking about it today. Um, one character, one actor, I had completely forgotten was in this film, Rudger Hauer. Because it's been a while since I've watched. Oh yeah, the original like, Batman Begins. Well, yeah, you go back and think about Blade Runner and all the things. Yeah, Rudger Hauer is the one that's running 
uh, Wayne Enterprises. Wayne Industries, you yeah, know, Wayne in, Industries. in the beginning, yeah, before before he gets ousted. And it's always kind of funny now, too, because whenever I think of Rutger Howard, it's not from things like Blade Runner or anything like that anymore. It's oddly enough from Calavant, where he's playing huh, Richard's, right. Richard's older brother, um, <laughs> Kingsley. Secret, secret. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. I love Galavant so much. God, it's a show that ended far before its time. Yes, it really did. Now I want to watch Galavant. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, again, and like we did with the last ones, looking forward to like the other two films. Uh, you know that that wrap up the Dark Knight trilogy. Again, this was another one of those series that did a great job when it came to casting the villains. You had Liam Neeson as Ducard, a.k.a. Raja Ghoul. You know, you had Cillian Murphy as Dr. Jonathan Crane, Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow. And then you go into the further series with the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger as Joker. Another casting that many people were very skeptical on. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been horribly wrong. <laughs> so. Horribly wrong. And I know there's been one or two people who have said, and even on our page have said, well, you know, Heath Ledger only got the recognition he did and the prestige he did as playing the Joker because of his death. And no. I, I don't believe that one second at all. Nope. He, he was so, oh my God, like so deep engrossed in that character. And... I think that could be one of the contributing factors to his death. Nah, it's been disproven by his sister at this point. So. Okay. All right. But death, or, death aside, like the death of Heath Ledger aside, that was a, for, a fantastic portrayal. And it was hands down different than what we had seen with Nicholson. Nicholson was very comic book-esque. This was real life terror. Yeah. In this portrayal of the Joker. Yeah, just a uh, sociopath, and that was all he was, which was great. And, and you know, and uh, his death did unfortunately change the direction of the trilogy, because you go back and you look at interviews with Christopher Nolan, in which the main reason why they left the Joker alive at the end of the film was twofold: one, Batman doesn't kill, and two, he was uh, set to return in three. He was set to return in the third film, and unfortunately, his death kind of changed anything, and they had to change directions. And I think it. That's kind of what hurt the third film, in my opinion, was probably because it was a last minute change. They already had an idea for where they wanted to go. And unfortunately, they had the course correct and it didn't work out as well. Mm-hmm. Not to say it still wasn't a good movie. Because it was still fantastic. Yes. Because Anne Hathaway was amazing as Catwoman. I think amazing. That was, I think that was great. My, uh, I wasn't too thrilled with Bane. Uh, wow. He was also not bad, though. He wasn't. No, he, he was not the Batman and Robin Bane. That's for sure. And you can't argue that point. No, <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, and like Hans like, Twist was great, too. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a great addition to the cast, um, especially with the way they kind of left it open yes, to become something more. Yes. Which they never did. And I'm kind of OK with that. Well, I love that they leave that. It's kind of like, well, what happens? You know, and it's kind of wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Um Anything else about these movies that kind of stand out? I, honestly, I, I I think this series is practically flawless. Um, I, I know a lot of people have some issues with Rises. I actually really thoroughly enjoyed Rises. And again, I've always stated anytime you see either it's a Marvel movie, it's an indie comic book movie, or a DC movie turned into a new feature film um, or a special or anything, I always view it as an Elseworlds. It's like this is its own graphic novel that's doing its own thing doesn't need to be flawless, it doesn't need to be perfect, but if it can tell a good story, it's cohesive, and it 
pays really beautiful tribute to the creations that it's based upon. Uh, I'm all for it. And I think the Nolan series is a masterpiece. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Like I said, I mean, the third one is probably my least favorite, but when I say that, I, it's not saying I didn't enjoy the movie because I did. I enjoyed it greatly. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, it, it's the weakest of the three to me. It, it's probably by pins and needles or by like small little nitpicks that that's even that case, but it's, yeah, you know. I, I, I would say I probably don't give any of those movies below an 8.5. No, uh, not at all. One of them gets a 10, one of them gets a 9.5, one of them maybe gets an 8.5. So, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where they fall. I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, and yeah, I think that's pretty much all we can really say about these films without just kind of going into yeah, that's, geeking that's, out that's, even that's, further, which we've kind of already done already. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I feel like it, this, this is a kind of a reminder. If you haven't seen either of these two films in a long time, uh, do yourself a favor on this fine Batman day and uh, give them both a watch back to back if you can. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, if it wasn't for the fact that while you're listening to this, I'm most likely at Keystone Comic Con, I would probably be doing the same thing. But you can rest easy knowing I probably would have done it already leading up to Batman Day because yeah. uh, I would have watched them during the week because that's what I, I plan to do. I actually already did. I watched them uh, twice each two weeks ago because nice. I did not put them down. Yeah. As soon as we said we were doing it, I, I was like, you know what? I need to watch them both right now. I need to watch uh, Batman Returns. Like, yeah. that's the one I want to go back and rewatch now, mm-hmm. uh, after talking about it. Yeah. So, um, as we mentioned last week, uh, no news this week. We're, we're giving you a news free, uh, podcast, but keep an eye on the Facebook page because that's where the, the news is still posting and we'll continue to do that. When we come back next week, we'll be back to our regular, um, Monday morning posting. I don't yet know what we're going to do. We're, we're still going to be discussing that. Um, yes. so we will figure something out. Maybe we'll have our special thing tied up and arranged by that point. If it happens, uh, whether or not our special guest joins us, uh, we're still going to do it. It's just a matter of when we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go, I did have, uh, I can't really say it's a recommendation. The recommendation is just a reminder to folks to head over to extra life. Uh, which is www.extra-life.org. And that upper right-hand corner, there's that little search for player. Uh, this, again, search for Ben Beck or Rob Martin. Uh, and donate to our portals to help support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for our event coming up on November 2nd. Uh, we will have a whole bunch more to tell you guys about super soon. But uh, because it's very difficult to find, I wanted to take like two, three minutes to tell you guys about yes. something really, really insanely interesting I just watched. Um, and it is a little movie called Man of Tomorrow, not Man of Steel. Um, you know, what is very interesting about this, if you are not, int- uh, do not know about this, there is a wonderful world out there in, on, uh, online that is a universe of fan edited films, uh, where they take existing films, maybe cut out some things, move things around in placement to kind of change what the movie feels like it could be. And it kind of sometimes maybe alleviates problems that exist. Uh, I have quite a few, and my library's quickly growing. But I failed and stumbled across one that everybody was talking about, but it was a nightmare to find. Uh, and it's, again, called Man of Tomorrow. And it takes Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman and turns them into one cohesive two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. And let me tell you what it does. And it's kind of insane. So the movie opens up with uh, our opening credit sequence 
showing the destruction of Krypton, including the Russell Crowe sequences, in between the opening credits without the 15-20 minute start. And it just says, boom, Superman is from Krypton. The planet was getting destroyed, sent off to Earth. And then it opens up with the oil tanker scene and him floating in the ocean, and it cuts back to showing that sequence happen. But as that's happening, and as he's after he saves the group of people, uh, and he's blown into the ocean, we see that intercut as he's floating there cut back to the sequence when we see Clark as a kid in the classroom of kind of like make the world small. And you see that sequence happen while he's kind of contemplating what he's lying in the ocean, when he's trying to figure out everything about himself. And it's really kind of an interesting start to the whole film because it changes the momentum of it completely. And then we get into a sequence where he's, then we see him in a couple quick odd jobs where we see him at the, the bar, uh, you know, and it, we see that cut back to the Daily Planet and Lois Lane going into the Arctic thing. Uh, and when we get there, we see Clark is already on the helicopter and he disappears that night and she follows him. So it immediately cuts right to that sequence in the Arctic where he finds the ship. And while he's there and he's traveling through that, it cuts back, shows us a little quick sequence of him and his mom back in Smallville with Jonathan already have passed. And when he's there and he sees the ship and kind of sees the, the matrix, he sees uh, a flashback of him and Jonathan Kent, you know, Kevin Costner speaking about who he is before he sees Jor-El. Jor-El gives him the whole kind of overview of everything. And this is all within 25 minutes of the movie. And we're all through this entire sequence and he saves Lois Cuts back to Metropolis. All this stuff is addressed. And then all of a sudden we cut to Gotham City. We see Batman saving the people that were locked away where the two cops almost get shot. And before they show, you know, a branding on the guy's chest from the Batman thing, the picture slightly goes out of focus and it cuts to another sequence. So it starts to soften a lot of the problems that exist in this film completely. Now, we don't get much into anything else. We cut back to, I think, seeing Russell Crowe give him a little bit more of an overview about who he is in his life, shows him the Superman suit. Then he goes back to Smallville, talks to his mom. You were led to believe that Jonathan Kent is already dead. All of these things have happened, um, which works really, really well. So it, it eliminated one of my biggest issues. Well, the death of Jonathan Kent. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. They, they actually bring it up, but they bring it up in a way that worked and it really, really worked. So all of this stuff kind of unfolds um, in a much quicker pace. So Lois already knows about Clark and is trying to expose that whole thing to the world. And she pulls the story back from Perry. And as all of this stuff is happening, he's like, no, I believe there was something out there that you're not doing and you're feeling like you're in trouble. And then you see the Kryptonian ship come down that Zod's in because they do mention Zod briefly beforehand. But we don't know anything about the Phantom Zone, any of that stuff at all. Just a terrifying ship ship comes down, which was addressed in this edit. And we don't go into the big Feora stuff. It is the Zod saying, you have a Kryptonian among you. And at that point in time is when we see Clark suit up for the very first time. And he turns himself in immediately as Superman that we see in that movie. We don't see any heroics. We see him suit up, learn to kind of establish that he is strong and all these little pieces. And he turns himself in immediately and says, boom, Zod makes his attack on the city. He stops it with the U.S. government. And then you see Clark as, you know, Zod is making his announcement to the people. They intercut shots of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne looking and watching the TV with the rest of the world as all of this is happening. 
So he is firmly established in this film already. We see him as Batman. We know who he is. We've seen Alfred. All these pieces connect. Well, don't, as, you, don't give away the whole plot of the movie. I want to actually watch it. <laughs> oh, I know. But I'm just showing, like, this is... I'm saying all this stuff, though, 40 minutes into the movie. And then after everything happens, you don't see the Zod neck break, anything like that. And then it says one year later. And then we get into BDS, and they cut everything down to the cohesive last hour and 20 minutes. All right. I, I'm going to watch this today. And they do I the Jonathan Kent stuff completely at the end of the film, where they intercut that with out the full speech by Jonathan saying, don't do this, don't do this. You just make it believe that Clark goes to save his mom. And while he's doing that, Jonathan dies by the tornado and Clark couldn't do anything while he's saving Lois while she was trying to retrieve the kryptonite spear. So this whole movie becomes this is Superman coming out as Superman and sacrificing himself quickly within him coming out to the public. And it's tied all together with the narration stuff from Russell Crowe in the first film. Nice. And it works beautifully. If this was what was released, everybody would have lost their mind. It was so wonderfully, wonderfully done. This is when it should have been. Um, I will tell you this now, dude. <laughs> you have access to it. I cannot wait for that text when I get back from you when you're like, that was phenomenal. I'm going to watch it. I'm going I'm to watch it today. Uh, if people are looking for it, there is a website out there called fanedit.info. Uh, I think fanedit.info. Uh, if you look there, if you look around for Man of Tomorrow, Google search, you might find the way to finding it, whether it's to Reddit, if you have access. And I will recommend, again, only if you own the source material. If you own Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel, if not... I would definitely say this is kind of this was is viewed illegal and it's only meant if you own those those legally by legal means, which I can definitely state I have every DC movie that was ever made, including the bad ones yeah. um, on my shelf. So uh, if you have an opportunity, definitely make sure to check this out. It was just jaw droppingly wonderful. I've watched it three times in the last week. Nice. Mm-hmm. I will have to. I'm definitely going to check it out today. Um. Yeah, I don't really have any recommendations either, um, other than, you know, checking out extra-life.org um, and just going back on this Batman day and rewatching Batman. That's really all I can say. Um, so, again, uh, no idea what we're going to do next week. Keep an eye on the Facebook page for that. Um, but uh, I think that's going to be it for, yeah. for this week of the podcast. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week with something. <laughs> yeah, uh, so as usual... We'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.